0: Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast, 30 minutes, 45 for patrons of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm
1: Brad Binkley.
0: Our top story, the continuing saga of the building that collapsed in Miami. I went and I figured there's so much surveillance, even though it was the dead of night. I think there's got to be a video of this thing somewhere so I found it it's like 15 seconds or whatever I tweeted it at Monica Press show it'll be in the show notes for as long as it lasts then I saw as if on cue headlines like oh video of just this is the crazy headline actually I don't think I have this one in the show notes but the headline is video of the building just seconds before and after the collapse it's like okay so I have the video of the collapse but and the it's mainstream just 15 media, seconds long. Yeah, so or 30 seconds. But they are putting out the video that the mainstream media is putting out is before and after the class like your typical cutting out the stuff that's actually important. So they whatever they're constructing around that but when I saw that it absolutely looks like a controlled demolition. And then the, co- the cover of the Wall Street Journal today, the front page, has a photograph of, like, the wreckage. And you can see, because I was thinking yesterday I brought the idea of, like, this building had slinky disease. It has no structural support columns. And then I started thinking, maybe 12-story buildings built in 1981 weren't made of structural steel like I don't know so but I was looking at the picture today on the front page of the Wall Street Journal and you can see and this might be the column that they had actually cited was weak it's the one that's still standing I don't know there's definitely something like that going on according to I think Joe Olson a video I watched of his who's a guy who knows about this stuff, I guess. That's as good as we can go for our sources, whoever's willing to tell us. But you can see in the picture that there is a structural support column standing on what's left of the building. So it's not like it was it was, you know, because I was like, okay, if if it pancaked. Right. So you're saying the building is like a stack of pancakes now. Right. What used to make those pancakes float in the air? 12 feet above each other right I mean a building is 12 stories if they're going to use the word pancake okay you're saying the floors are pancaked They're like pancakes now, but why weren't they always pancakes? Like there was air between them. And I think that's because you put steel beams in the building. But there's no evidence of that in the rubble. But there is evidence of that from what you can tell of what's still standing. So I'm not buying this at all. Now there's a whole new like conspiracy theory coming out, which is so fantastic. I just love the way they do this. And it makes me wonder if the story we brought two weeks ago or a week ago was a setup that the Navy explosion that triggered that seismic event off of Florida could have triggered this collapse. So that's making the rounds. And a uh, an objective person said to me, hey, you shouldn't be so curious of why Israelis are there. They're used to p- pulling people out of rubble because they have bombings. And I, I said, "That's alright, that's not a bad point. Uh, Mexico, but okay. There are Mexicans there too. That's all right. And to your point, there was, I have two more things on this. There was a an MSNBC host, I guess. MSNBC's Joshua Johnson suggests the Surfside condo collapse can justify the price tag of infrastructure spending. Quote, there's nothing like a disaster to focus on the mind. I think they intentionally wrote his, that's a malapropism, I think they call it when you get like the expression wrong. I hate that. I always feel like they should, you know, just kind of fix it for that thing. But anyway, so there's nothing like a disaster to focus on the mind. And I think what he meant was to focus the mind, which is, I guess it would be Rom Emanuel 3.0, where the original one was never let a good crisis go to waste. I said the 2.0 one is if you don't have the crisis, Uh, you have to create it. And I would say this is 3.0. It is a way to focus the mind. So anyway, I just, I feel like uh, they are also, NIST, the national whatever, (laughs) NIST does the, I forget what it's for. It does the investigations and stuff. So this is the fifth investigation of this kind. It will do it. Finally decided to launch uh, an investigation into this collapse The article I read that said that cites that there are 18 dead, 145 still unaccounted for. So I just want to run by that math real quick again. That's over 150 people. That would be an average of three people unaccounted for for every single unit that collapsed. There were 55 units. So that already is kind of sketchy. A number that's a big number for an average on a condo like that. But. It is two or three uh, bedroom apartments. One of the guys in the know, I read it was in yesterday's show notes, 70 percent occupied with primary and second homeowners. So I would say every single one of those buildings definitely not occupied at that time. Another thing I put in the show notes yesterday, 102 people accounted for immediately. So now we're talking about 265 people, even not counting that not every single one of those was occupied. That's five people per unit. And then you have to take off occupancy rate people who weren't there because it wasn't their original home. It's the numbers just don't add up.
1: They don't. And there's a lot of strange coincidences going on right now. It may be just the media is focusing on it, but we have the heat wave across the country. We have tropical storms. We have Joe Biden going across the country talking about this very issue as though he, this has been planned, a planned tour to have this speech right at the same time that an infrastructure package related to all of these things happens to be coming to a head. And there's a story yesterday, and I saw a press conference last night about the tropical activity that is going to threaten the search and rescue effort, because there's a couple waves in the Atlantic Ocean that are going to be coming up towards Florida right at the same time all this stuff is happening. Ron DeSantis said that emergency crews from the Florida Division of the Emergency management department. They're currently involved in Surfside operation, but they could be redirected if the severe weather comes. So what does that mean for the search and rescue? Well, help is on the way as a federal urban search and rescue team will arrive in Surfside today to assist with the ongoing efforts freeing up the local first responders in the event of a tropical emergency. And Kevin Guthrie, who is a director of the emergency management system in Florida, said that There are plans to handle both situations simultaneously, including relocation communications. He says, we've done this before. We we have responded to multiple emergencies in one state at the same time. And, of course, Biden is going to be landing in Florida today, given his speech at 350 on his infrastructure tour. Well, he will no doubt be talking in Surfside about the heat wave coming across America, the crumbling infrastructure due to climate change and the importance of passing his infrastructure plan to prevent tragedies like the one we are dealing with right now. It all seems to come together to fit a nice little narrative in kind of a strange way.
0: Yes, and it seems like it bears many of the same earmarks of like to have a big tragedy like this that multitasks and serves a lot of agenda purposes. And they even talk about it in the context of previous events like this, 9-11, OKC. And speaking of uh, uh, 9-11, did you see that Donald Rumsfeld died?
1: I did. I saw that. I was a little surprised at it. Didn't have more of the headlines.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, probably because he was such a controversial person and people really do. I mean, people hated him and he was such a wise guy. Although I do still quote him on like known, knowns, known, unknowns, unknown, unknowns. And he had that speech. I don't know if you are familiar with it, but it's really funny because it's true. But it's him. I, I read it in a book called The Poetry of Donald Rumsfeld. there are things that i attribute to him which first of all i believe he was head of monsanto i i didn't brush up on this but i thought he was the guy who was the head of Monsanto, who was maybe bringing NutraSuite to market and pressured that to be fast-tracked, I'd have to brush up on that. But I do know, I did do some research on NutraSuite once, and the vast majority of FDA complaints is about headaches from NutraSuite. I think that stuff is bad. I get headaches from NutraSuite. The older I get, the more I get these issues. But I, but more important, I think, for Donald Rumsfeld is, I always felt, felt that. I, I mean, I know he wasn't military when he was Secretary of Defense on 9-11. But if you could charge court martial him for dereliction of duty, he absolutely should have been charged with that because he was the secretary of defense, an ongoing attack on the government and the private Um, population of this country, ongoing attack. He abandoned his post as secretary of defense in the Pentagon and was like carrying people around on stretchers on the lawn. So in plain sight, he was unavailable and real time was lost. Even according to the official narrative, he was, his absence was responsible for some of the uh, mistakes that were made. So I always felt that he should have been held uh, accountable for that. And he was not.
1: Yeah, well, he's one of those guys who, when he passes away, you see people—they really say some horrible things on Twitter. I—I'm not saying oh, bad that, him. Yeah, that he's a good I guy you were or anything. Say, he's not a—I I don't. I think he—I I didn't like him. He lied a lot. I was not really a fan. But anytime anybody dies, I, I don't celebrate it.
0: Well, I. I'm guessing that's why it didn't get a lot of play because people don't like him. But I thought you were going to say guys like that are like Teflon Dons because he didn't, you know, nothing ever came back to haunt him, really. I mean, look at Dick Cheney. He got somebody's heart. <laughs> like you know, I used
1: to get him confused with Dick Cheney. The first thing I thought was about that heart. But I realized that was yeah, Dick that Cheney. different guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're very similar.
0: Yikes. So... One thing that you definitely, as I mentioned, were way ahead of at like literally the first moment we heard about this Miami building collapse, which I'm sure is going to serve various agendas. So you can you can even not agree with me that this is a fishy um, event, but you will see the agenda agendas that it is meant to. Foster emerge. So Joshua Johnson said, like, this is a good way to focus the mind on infrastructure. You pointed that out right away. Joe Biden is there today, as you pointed out, also that he was going to be. And uh, so Before we came to air, I just I looked at what's the latest on the infrastructure package and the House just passed a bill called the Invest in America Act. They are hoping to use this as a framework for a bipartisan deal that they hope would be acceptable to the Senate and the White House. Now, what we've talked about before, and this is just blatant out there politics, is anything that they do not get, the Democrats do not get. In the infrastructure bill that they want They are going to take everything They ever wanted and put it in I think it's going to be called the American Families Act But it's going to be like $6 trillion. Six trillion less whatever's in the infrastructure. So Bernie Sanders made his wish list. It's six trillion dollars. If they can push off one or so trillion into a bipartisan infrastructure plan, then that'll go down to five trillion. Joe Manchin kind of wants it to go down closer to two trillion. So let's figure they're going to split the difference, maybe three or four trillion. So, but what the house passed was a $715 billion transportation and water infrastructure bill, which seems kind of focused on that stuff. I can rattle off what's on that if you are interested. Just sometimes I think it's good to give people details like we can analyze, but the details are important sometimes.
1: The American Families Act is very much working together with this infrastructure plan and pushing the climate change equity angle of all of this stuff.
0: Oh, have I got a tweet for you. Stand by. <laughs> so let me just tell you what the Invest in America Act authorizes. It's $343 billion for roads, bridges, and safety measures, $109 billion for transit, $95 billion for passenger and freight rail, $117 billion for drinking water infrastructure resources, and roughly $50 billion for wastewater infrastructure, according to a fact sheet that was passed out uh house speaker nancy pelosi this just pisses me off i think it was originally called the jobs bill like not this one but the one that biden wanted they call the infrastructure bill the jobs bill it's like the food stamps are in the farm bill like it's it's all payola so pelosi said she's praised the bill on wednesday calling it a strong jobs creating package you don't need to create effing jobs. That is like, the, just means waste, if you ask me. And it sees as a once in a century opportunity to rebuild America's infrastructure. What the hell does she mean by that? I'd like to know. That's kind of scary. That sounds a lot like. Klaus Schwab and them talking about COVID and the Great Reset. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, I knew it meant something. But yes, absolutely. No doubt. So the broader bill, the American Families Plan, whatever, is going to expand child care, Medicare, affordable housing and other programs. I mean, they act. It's so crazy. We have a robust. Well, we used to just had a functional, robust economy. where like literally anyone could be my son who has Down syndrome has a job. He has a job and he does it well. He cleans out a stable. Okay. So whatever. That's his job and he does it good. He does a good job. He can even do the little shoes on the horse, which I'm afraid they're going to kick him in the face, but so far so good. Anyway, um, so this is just so you know, there, the, there are 21 senators, 11 Republicans and 10 Democrats who are working on getting this through. Getting something like this through the Senate. So the way it's going to work is they're going to take an infrastructure bill, get it through the Senate, just pass the House today. Let me read you. So two other things. One is remember I brought you earlier and I'll bring you something else to the, in the patron 15, another one of our like seven ways that the Wall Street Journal says COVID's changing things. The first one I brought was. Opening the door to big government And that wasn't the first time I saw This ushering in An era of big government And praise for big government Vox, so I was looking I was reading a bunch of different things on infrastructure Vox put out a uh, this is a quote from a Vox article in rejection, in a rejection of times when Democrat presidents declared the era of big government is over. He's talking about Clinton. I don't know why it's plural. Biden has strived to show the American people that the government can help solve big problems. Like, I'm not even going to get to the details of that. But the fact that, like you were saying earlier, it's all about the theme. And I also feel like this is just like how uh, Bernie Sanders and AOC and even Newsweek, when. Obama was elected, embraced this word socialism. It's not a dirty word anymore. Big government, you're, they're going to get the kids, they're going to activate the kids to scream in your face that, like, big government is good and I'm sick of your, you know, whatever, you know, like the snowflakes get triggered. But here's your tweet. Here's the tweet, especially for you. All right. There's a chick, Ayanna Presley. She's a Boston Congresswoman. And uh, just anecdotally or like an interesting aside, her husband was incarcerated for, I think, 10 years under drug charges. And he's going to be an advocate for certain policy changes. I personally don't <laughs> think you should be in jail for 10 years for drug charges. So she did not lose me there. But she said, oh, I think she tweeted this. This is about human. This I, I think she's talking about these bills. This is about human and physical infrastructure. Okay. So she, she lost me there. She did not lose me with the ex-con drug dealing husband, but she lost me with human infrastructure. This is about human and physical infrastructure. Progressives in Congress have been leading this fight. Care economy. That so sounds Schwabian. Care economy is infrastructure. Climate justice is infrastructure. Housing justice. Infrastructure. Public transit justice is infrastructure. Public transit.
1: Everything. Public, the public transit, transit
0: justice it's <laughs> oh, good okay she goes on to say these bold investments must be made to support workers and families in order for us to have a just equitable robust recovery from this pandemic ah, the, the lockdown is what created the inequities this is so annoying but anyway public transit justice that's just that's just rich
1: they're very rich. creative the way that they can rope any one thing and to any other thing just by attaching justice to it and infrastructure to yeah, it and, and then...
0: that's why they tapped into the young people and I actually had said this is I had I've had a few prescient moments over the years before the Parkland thing in 2018 I used to do a show at the beginning of the year like things to watch out for and at the end of the year I was like the week in review the year in review but one thing I had identified in one of those January shows was that there was an untapped dialectic of old versus young. And we got that with the Parkland thing in 2018. And they use these activated young people who really have no life experience, aren't paying taxes and have that entitlement mentality, the snowflake thing to care to to repeat the stuff obviously you bring all this stuff to us but anyway i had promised the infrastructure stuff uh, i and that was that i also promised stuff about um labor laws something that's coming down in new york other labor I- initiatives that i wanted to talk about or or labor narratives in the news but it's just too much to hit right now so i'm gonna save that for tomorrow i even have a patron 15 thing for tomorrow that's along with that vein but people are caring because they are going back to work or so we're told I don't know if the Delta variant is going to derail that, but people are uh, starting to talk about big changes in the labor market. So, I'll bring that tomorrow.
1: Yeah, and there are big changes in the labor market. Like, what is work going to look like in the future? And there's a coming culture war about this, apparently, that I was reading about. And Yahoo News had a long expose about this coming culture war. If you want to know... What your friends and family actually believe or feel about working from home and working in the office, what their honest opinion is, you better ask them right now before it gets completely politicized and their opinion is assigned to them by their media, because that's coming... According to Yahoo News, it's going to be RTO versus WFH. So we had the battle over whether you want to keep kids in school or whether you want to keep them learning remotely. Now we have RTO versus WTH. Return to office versus work from home is going to be the next big culture war, according to Yahoo News. We know there's a variety of reasons for people to want to work from home or to go back into the office. There's you save money on gas. You can live in a different place if you are working remotely, working in office. You're going to have better communication. You're going to have more, it's going to be more personal and maybe perhaps it enhances creativity. But I want to see if you can guess. If you had to guess which side is going to be assigned, which side? So who's going to be pro in office, the left or the right? And who's going to be pro working remotely? How What would you guess?
0: Well, I think that what they want us to think is that people who are not vaccinated, so that's the right, want to continue to work remotely so they don't get shamed. However, out here, people's level of paranoia is so high that when you see someone masked, even if they don't have to be in a place where it says if you're vaxxed, you don't have to be masked. You think that the masked people are the Republicans? They're not. They're like the Uber Democrats who aren't vaccinated, double vaccinated and double masked. And those people don't want to go back to work.
1: So you're saying the left is going to be assigned the position of work from home? Um, Let me just think about it.
0: I'm just I I, that is what I am actually observing. And I'm this is not something that's being propagandized. So you got to give me one second to think this through. Who wants to work? I think vaxxed people want to work from home. No, unvaxxed, unvaxxed, unvaxxed people want, don't want to go back to work because they have to show that they've not been. So unvaxxed people want to work from home. That's what I think is the reality.
1: Now, that's interesting because that is the fly in the ointment that is going to complicate this whole politicized issue because I've identified the same thing. People are getting these surveys about whether they've been vaccinated or not and they're related to whether or not their company is going to move to in office or keep the remote or hybrid model. And people I know that are unvaccinated are very much like, I want to work from home so that I don't get fired, so that it's not weird. And I agree with you on that. However, the politicized angle, according to Yahoo News, and they give an example here of the coming politi- politicization, politicization. Of politicization. This. Politicization. Thank you. From Richard Cook who writes for The New Republic, he recently mused that people who dislike remote work the most were white male bosses who missed daily dominance performances over underlings cowering in cubicles. At the very least, many executives climbed the corporate ranks by thriving in office life and returning to pre-pandemic status quo makes sense, whereas living on Slack and Zoom does not enable them to have that power. So, in office is for the racist. Whereas remote is for inclusiveness in a letter that was
0: leaked- pisses me off so much because I said minute one with this lockdown crap and the Zoom crap and hoarding Costco stuff from the very beginning. This is the most regressive thing ever. Poor people do not have extra room for Costco. Don't have the money to buy all that stuff. Don't each have their own laptops. Don't have their own offices at home. That really pisses me off. They destroyed the world. They destroyed all these people. <laughs> oh, That pisses me off.
1: Yeah, here's what a leaked letter from Apple employees opposing returning to the office. They argued that remote work would help Apple meet its goals of diversity and inclusion. Elsewhere, too, the letter invoked the social justice movement, inclusivity, well-being, empowered, the people that are unheard, the people that are invalidated, the lived experiences. All of those can be uh, bettered by having remote work. And then the article concludes by saying the Republicans see and see a political opening, much as they did when Democrats seem to balk at reopening schools.
0: I just got a text that you might have heard from one of the vixens who directed me to breaking news. Johns Hopkins announced today that all university faculty and staff will be required to be vaccinated against COVID-19 as of August 1st, quote, in order to promote public health on university campuses and support university operations this fall. Exceptions for medical and religious reasons will be granted. So faculty and staff, some of the places are exempting faculty and staff and just doing it for the students. But anyway, Johns Hopkins, you know, that's ground zero. I wonder if they're also doing it for the people. You know what I mean? So...
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It, uh, this it is going to be interesting be. to see how this plays out and how they how they really turn this into a political no, war. Think, and and the unvaccinated people everyone. are the monkey wrench, you know, because they, they want to they work from home. You're right. And they are... Can you be racist and also want to work from home, which is considered inclusivity? I don't know.
0: I, I think it might also be for... Uh, yeah, it says... John... Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to double check on that. I mean, I'm sure it's true, but I want to know why it was breaking. So also last thing, I know we're running over, but uh, I saw somebody forwarded me a tweet today from Scott Adams who said, you know, vaccines are your own choice, whatever. And But just letting you know, as someone who has just been fully vaccinated, I have this like unbelievable feeling of freedom and liberation. So I'm not quoting this paraphrasing, but... My response, obviously, is hashtag VaxBorged.
1: He does talk about that quite a bit. So So
0: I will I'll put in the show notes my glossary definition of VaxBorged, which is you can have a normal conversation with someone about the pros and cons of vaccinations. And once they get the vaccination, they're just like, what are you talking about? It's the best thing that ever happened. I don't know what is wrong with you. You are not of the body. (laughs) It's
1: that psychological consistency that helps them them, become advocates for the thing that they chose publicly to take. Absolutely. In our last story of the Free 30, we're going to talk about a new warning label that Google is showing its search engine users in an effort to tackle, quote, data voids. What is it? And what's a data void? I'll tell you about it. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about what we're going to talk about in the patron 15, which is we're going to talk about the fourth in our new patron series seven ways our world has changed because of COVID, according to a popular propaganda outlet. Monica is going to tell us about the fourth one of these. These have been very fascinating. This one's going to be regarding vaccines and economic recovery. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor of today's show, Berna. Technologies. Berna is a leader in the non-lethal self-defense category. Their Live Safe motto is to provide consumers with an affordable device, the Berna HD, for just $359, which allows people to protect their personal safety without having to take a life. The Berna HD is not a firearm, but it is an incredibly powerful and effective non-lethal self-defense device that combines pepper and gas with kinetic hard plastic projectiles that will subdue an assailant for up to 20 minutes, giving its user enough time to to escape. With an effective range of 66 feet, the Berna HD is more effective than pepper spray or stun guns that have an effective range of only 10 feet or less, and it is currently adapted by law enforcement and private security firms across the U.S. to de-escalate stressful situations before having to resort to lethal means." Over 50,000 consumers across the country have chosen the Burn HD as their self-defense option. In fact, Sean Hennedy on Fox News is a loyal customer of it, and he's talked about it on his show. He's talked about the Burn HD, uh, not even as an ad. He's talked about it because he is a user of it. As a Burn HD owner, he says... I've been telling people, I recently purchased a Burna HD. You hit somebody with it, and it instantly stops them, but it doesn't kill them. And that is exactly why Burna HD is a leader in non-lethal self-defense weapons. Check them out at Burna.com. And if you use the promo code PROPAGANDA10 in all caps, no spaces, when you check out, you will receive a 10% discount on your purchase. That's Burna.com, B-Y-R-N-A.com. Support us by supporting our sponsors. And also, we need to grow... We're not shameless self-promoters like other people, so (laughs) some people go that route, maybe we should, but we don't. And the fact is, we get censored, we get suppressed, we get targeted by activists and trolls, all because we don't play into the left-right narrative, and... We just do our best to get to the truth. And because of that, we have to work harder than others to grow. So we need your help. And there are a variety of ways that you can help. You can go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a five-star review and a wonderful comment that makes us feel good and helps us show up in the search engines. You can share a show with a friend. You can join us on Patreon. You can join us on Rockfin. You can tweet out about us. You can sign up for our email list on Proport.com. There's a variety of ways to help. The main point I want to get across right now, though, is it. We need y'all's help to grow. We love you guys. We've got some momentum and we, we need to build and capitalize on this momentum because the censors come hard at us and we need to overtake them. So let's do this. Let's do it together. Check us out thepropreport.com, patreon.com slash propaganda report, rockfin.com slash propaganda report. Now, with that said, on to the final story of the free 30. So, Google's got a new little feature. I, I love when Google rolls out these features because they're so Orwellian that uh, <laughs> they just must be, they got to be blind how Orwellian they've got. I guess once you actually start to just live in that world all the time, that it doesn't even affect you anymore. But here's what's going on with it. I've seen this pop up in mine. You might have seen it too. This new feature comes up that says to you, it might say, after you did your search. It looks like these results are changing quickly. If this topic is new it can sometimes take time for results to be added by reliable sources. So that that's what the warning la- label will say. Now, the reason they added this feature is because they're trying to warn users when they search for a topic that they determine, that Google determines might have poor results. And they're doing this in an effort to tackle what they call data voids on their search engines. So data voids. Now, here's what a data void is. A data void are search engine queries that have little to no results and can often lead to fringe claims being given undue prominence. Among other things, this is of particular concern to them for when it comes to breaking news. So, they have a 60-page document on data voids. I skimmed through it. I'm going to go a little bit deeper, and I might be able to bring some more tomorrow once I do that. But what I gathered from this data void stuff is... They can't control all the information because the information moves so quickly through social media and it can pick up steam so quickly that even they are unable to track and wrangle it and shape it the way they want. So they need to put in these mechanisms to try and inoculate people from determining the meaning of it themselves before it's that way they can then wrangle it. And what they want to do is, in their blog post... Their public liaison for search, that's an interesting title there, he says, we've trained our systems to detect when a topic is rapidly evolving and a range of sources have yet to weigh in. We'll show a notice indicating that it may be best to check back later when more information from a wider range of sources, and they go on to talk about credible sources, have chimed in. So, they call them data voids, but what this is, is something that we talked about for a while, is... It's narrative warfare. This is an aspect of that. It's more of a meaning void than it is actually a data void. It's not the data they're concerned about or the information. It, what they're worried about is the meaning and the conclusions that could possibly be drawn from the users that actually see it. So they don't want the public determining those meanings or their or, or those conclusions. So a data void is information that the censors have yet to project politicized meaning and polarized conclusions into. That, that's That's what I get that a data yeah. void is and that's why you're seeing these labels in my opinion so if you see one of these labels wow that's what you,
0: crazy it is it's yeah. like we, we you know please stand by until we can tell you what to think Abso- that's exactly what it is that's a great <laughs> so way weird. to put it yeah you, you're, if you see this
1: this warning what you're seeing is information that is yet to be wrangled and controlled <laughs> oh by the God, propaganda machine crazy. and if the label goes away next time you search it then they have got their fingers wrapped around it and they've put the meaning into it that they want so but look out for you that think. it really does
0: it makes you think that, you know, they're, that they aren't yes. ahead of it.
1: Yeah, it's a good thing, I think. So that yeah. if you see that, it's like, yes, maybe there's some truthful information in here.
0: Oh, gosh, they're going to just weaponize that. Like we <laughs> I was talking the other day about uh, that, like everything is or as my son says, like everything is hyper se- self-aware now, like even humor is self-aware So it's the fact that it's a joke is the joke or like when McAfee, the report came across that he died, I immediately like I had to hold. I actually held off on the tweet that I was going to tweet out within like one second of that. I waited a few hours, but it was probably too late anyway. But that like obviously the conspiracy theory is going to be the news, like whatever this is about, it's going to be about itself, you know, in a way. So anyway, things are they will probably make a joke of it so that you're not onto them in that it is, it is true it is, it's a propaganda void. You're right. Definitely. Very, very interesting. Well, I have lots of little tidbits for you in the patron 15, including, as you mentioned, the fourth in our series, my series in the Wall Street Journal, but I want you and I to do our own like ways the world have changed from COVID, not just counter what what the what the propaganda machine is telling us, but really pick like a few ways that you really we really have to just get our minds around. I think that would be a great series for the patron fifteen. And I want to remind people that there is a DPP on Friday, and I don't think I did it right last time. So if you have become a patron since the last DPP, I'll, I'm just going to invite. You as a courtesy, a welcome gift to the DPP. But this is the first Friday DPP, so it should be basically anybody who's in the party level tier should be able to go. So that'll be fun, and that's it. I I did post my Hemingway cocktail. That's going to be the cocktail. Somebody asked, many people asked for a a cocktail suggestion in advance for Friday. So let's see who comes up with the Hemingway. It's delish.
1: Awesome, fantastic. You guys can find your DriveTime News Blast every weekday afternoon at propreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content we've been telling you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. Join up there. Go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report. You can join up there as well. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk to y'all in the Patreon 15 or tomorrow. Have a fantastic rest of your day.